this morning um, we just want to thank God for what we have and what where we are right now because God has been really blessing us with many things shall we all rise to read scriptures let's read it together Galatians 3 verse 10 to 13 and I have the easy to read version okay verse 10 but people The law does not depend on faith. And <clears throat> put himself under that curse. The scriptures say, anyone who is hung on a tree is under a curse. And then let's read John chapter 10 verse 10. Jesus says, have it to the full. Shall we pray? God, we just want to lift up to you this worship service from beginning to end. We would like to bow before you and give everything that we've got this morning because that is worship. It's not about taking, but it's about giving to you our very best. And Father, we will not be our very best if we don't know who we are. If we don't know who we really are face to face with you, the God of this universe who is holy, pure, and without sin. So this morning, Father, we pray that you just reveal to us in a very powerful way who we are so that we will know what we ought to be and what we ought to do to be right with you and pleasing in your sight. Speak to us, Lord, through your word. We pray that you will not allow the Holy Spirit to make us leave this place unchanged because we want to change. I know the hearts of our people, Lord. They want to honor you, they want to please you. But many times we're lost. Many times we, we're just going around in circles and we don't know what to do. So, Lord, this morning would you speak to us? Because, Lord, as you speak to us, as you make us better people, changed from inside out, we will be able to impact our families, our community, and even this country. Lord, we pray for the, this country. Uh, this is now our home. Um, this is not our permanent home, but we live here while we're living in this earth. But we want to lift it up to you, Father. We know that you have plans, Lord. You're, the script is written. And whatever you intended to happen will happen. And it's not a matter of when, but it, it's not a matter of if, but it's a matter of when. And so we pray, Father, that while there is still time for us to do something to help other people know you, Lord, we pray that you make that possible. Protect this country from itself. Protect this country from 
the leaders who don't know you and we pray father that you preserve this country so that the name of your son jesus christ will continue to be proclaimed use us to do that lord even in our own smallness use us because you are a great god we commit this time to you father in jesus name we pray amen please be seated you know you know what's been in my heart i i really wanted to share with you as best as i can that christ's likeness christ's likeness being like christ can be enjoyed um and many people have difficulty relating to that because they think it's a lot of work they think it's a lot of effort yeah it it will require work while god is full of grace and will be the one to change us we have a responsibility ourselves right we have to do our part and deep in my heart i know that you can enjoy christ likeness because modesty aside and i'm not bragging i'm beginning to feel secure and good about my christ likeness and i'm, I'm beginning to enjoy it it's not it's not having a lot of money it's not having wonderful friends and everything like that and you party every day no it's i'm not talking about that i'm talking about just his presence in your life guiding you leading you and you can feel him and you can enjoy him because you know he's there and you know that will only happen in my own personal experience and what the bible is saying if you are growing in christ likeness continuing to grow in christ likeness and that's why I'm going to, to a fault probably, because you're going to make sawa about this, but I'm going to keep talking about this until, until it's so clear to you that you're going to start enjoying Christ yourself. You know why I, I believe that Christ-likeness can be enjoyed? Because if you are growing more and more like Christ, you have no choice except to have a life full of Christ, right? You know, Christ will be so evident in your life and you know, I came up with an acrostic. If your life is full of Christ, you know, the following, you will enjoy whether you like it or not. You will have conquest over trials, over difficulties. You will have hope, not despair. You will be rejoicing, not defeated. You will be inspired and not discouraged. Do you like that? You will be successful and you will realize that you're not wasting your life and you will be thankful and not grumbling there's much much more but it's i can only be limited to the word christ and that's why you know i feel that you know it's my responsibility to see to it that my fellow believers will really experience and enjoy christ likeness and this morning i want to talk about the h in christ the h in christ and i want to say hope not despair do you like hope or you prefer despair? Hope. What is despair? What brings despair to people? Hopelessness? I saw that, okay? <laughs> I am 45 and I'm still single. Can you believe that? Okay, 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 okay. My friends are getting married. Ooh. And I'm still here. Despair. It is defined as loss of hope. That's despair. 
What's hope? It's the opposite of despair. Hope is to believe that something desired may happen. How many of you have desires that you want to happen? Come on, be, be, be honest, see? You know, Tommy, you know? And, and, you know, if you have those desires, hope, and you have hope, it says that believe that something you desire will happen. That's better than despair, isn't it? Because despair to me, okay, not only is it loss of hope, not only is it bad, but, you know, in its very essence, it is lostness. You, you don't know where you are. You don't know what's happening, and you just don't know what's going to happen next. And you just bow your head and say, oh, what's going on? I don't know. It's a pretty bad situation, and we don't like it. We'd rather have hope than despair. And this morning, I would like to take off from what was discussed last week by um, Adrian, the hair man. Okay. Where is he? Outside. Why is he outside? You know, the, 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 Pastor in Song, Pastor in Song, there is really something wrong with this praise and worship team, okay? They, they, they probably believe that they are finished worshiping. And after doing their part, they go out and drink coffee while we're worshiping here. Uh, are you fixing your hair or something like that? It's okay, okay. Uh, no, 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 I was, I was just kidding. I know we, we, guys, I know you woke up at 6 o'clock in the morning just to fix your hair and, you know. <laughs> I just like you to know that I was looking at you when you were playing the guitar and you were not concentrating on your hair. But I praise God for you that you gave us a good message last Sunday, right? About this parable of the lost son. Okay. And I, I'd like to take off from that to jump from uh, the topic that I want to hear because I want you to see the relevance of Christ's likeness as we define it in every area and circumstances in our lives. All right, the parable of the lost son. Most people know, know this as the parable of the prodigal son, right? And we know the story. There were two kinds of lostness, right, Adrian? Two kinds of lostness, Adrian said in the parable, okay? There's the younger brother lostness, the younger brother lostness. You know, when uh, Raymond Santos came, where is he? Oh, there he is, okay? I know. Uh, all of a sudden, I remember the younger brother lostness. Okay, look at his hair. Okay, do you? Would you believe that he's the brother of Mike Santos? Okay, or, you know, uh, Raymond, stand up, stand up, stand up, please. Okay. okay, and 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 of course, uh, Tracy's there. They have a baby, and Tracy, can you please also stand up? Okay, welcome to CCF. Okay. Uh, they're, they're the children of uh, Doctora Nene, okay? And would you believe that he's the brother of Mike? Mike, stand up, Mike, okay? Okay? Mike, stand up, Mike. Right. Okay. He's the younger brother lostness because you can see his hair will betray him, okay? Early in his life, he decided, Mom, 
none of my brothers are getting married. I'm going to get married. I'm going to go first. And I'm going to do this right now. So he got married earlier than them. Okay? I'm just kidding. I just wanted to illustrate a point. Okay? The younger brother lostness. And uh, of course, there's the elder brother lostness in Mike Santos. He looks good. He's, you know, very disciplined. I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> Two lostness. Two lostness. Younger brother and elder brother. Okay. And, you know, um, do you believe that they were really lost? Did you get the message? Why, why, did, why did Adrian say both of them were lost? I thought that only the younger brother was lost. Most people would believe so. You know why they were lost? Both of them wanted, Adrian, correct me if I'm wrong, okay? Both of them wanted what the father can give them, what the father had. The father had money. The father had a good life to offer them. The father had a nice home. The father had servants. The father had, you know, whatever. Everything that the world can offer. And they want that. The younger brother wants that. He claimed that already, even before it's due. And he spent all of it. The older brother, at the same time, also wanted it, right? Yeah. You know, but his way of wanting it or getting it is different from the younger brother. And the reason why they're lost is they wanted what the giver can give, but not the giver. They wanted the things, but they did not want the Father, nor love the Father. That's why they were lost. And I'd like, to, I'd like to submit to you that in their lostness, you can make a conclusion that they are also hopeless. If, if you see, if you continue the story, if the, young, if the younger brother continued with the story and did not repent, actually he became hopeless to a point, yes? But the older brother, okay, if you see his situation, we ended up with a situation where, of course, the, the father said, you should rejoice because your, your younger brother is found, okay? He's dead, he's alive, he's found, and he's, he's lost, and he's found. But the story ended there. But we don't know how he shaped up. But he was probably so lost, he didn't know what to do, and who knows, maybe he did the same thing. But it's a picture of lostness and hopelessness altogether. My question is, do you believe that lostness and hopelessness still exist today? Do you honestly believe? If you want to know about lostness, if you want to know about uh, being helpless, like you want to know about the younger brother lostness, okay? Talk to Bobby Cedro, okay? <laughs> Bobby, asan ka? Oh, wala rin, okay? See? You know? Some, some. Ando sa taas, okay? <clears throat> if you want to talk about the elder brother lostness, my favorite George is here, okay? They, they are there, okay? They are expert on looking at themselves and say, what on earth is happening to me? Okay? They are so lost and they're hopeless. Lots of people today, no, I'm just kidding, this guy, I love these guys, that's why I can joke these guys. Otherwise, I will not mention even 
a hint of, hi guys, okay? And I, all I'm saying is there are so many people today who live their lives in quiet desperation. They just go through life thinking that they're pursuing the right things. They go for the American dream. You know, they go for it without, without you know, relenting. And when they get it, they find out that this is all there is to it. The next thing they know is that they're having problems with their spouse. They're having problems with their children. And the next thing they know is with all the money that they have, they're all by themselves living alone. Everybody's going through that. And you know, uh, uh, it's just there. And, and many people live that kind of life in quiet desperation, meaning they don't know what the answer is. They don't know what the solution is. They just go through it hoping against hope that things will be better. And this morning, I, 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 I pray that that's not going to be the situation for us. The younger brother and elder brother lostness is prevalent today in our present day. You know why? You know why? Because the Bible says, Ephesians 5.15, Therefore, be careful how you walk because the days are evil. You know, we have no choice. The days are evil. And here we are going through our day-to-day -day living as if we are you know, strong and we can really overcome the things that are facing us. No. The Bible says, be careful because the days are evil. Look around you. You know, the world is not getting any better. I'm not saying look around you like, like look the person next to you, okay? I didn't say that. Somebody laughed there and he was referring to Adrian, okay? I'm sure. The days are evil. Not only that, in 1 John 5, 19, it says, we know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Did you know that? We live in a world, I mean, including America. Look at what's happening today in this world. There's, by the way, Russia is moving, okay? <laughs> and you know, as, as Russia was moving, I was telling myself, uh-oh, there goes the biblical prophecy, okay? You know, in the end times, America will not be there, believe me. So as early as you can, you better move to Russia, okay? <laughs> okay, uh, in the end times, there will be two big forces, okay? We're talking about Russia, and we're talking about China, okay? And America, I don't know what will happen. I'd rather that America will disappear and we'll still be here because we will not be bombarded, right? You know, but see, the point I'm trying to say is the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Now, why did God allow that? Don't ask me. He said, right now, in this temporary day and age, the evil one has power over this world, right? And because the evil one has power over this world, you have no choice except to what? To live under his power and be subject to the evil days. And to know that is to be ready, to be aware. You know, cultural powers affecting people and families, television, computers, modern technology, industrialization, internet. You know, these are good things. But at the same time, you know, if you're not careful, these are the very things that can destroy you because Satan will use his power to be able to use these this developments and these improvements to control your mind, your heart, and everything that, that is exposed to you. So, you know, there is a lot of cultural factors affecting people and families that are evil, like, for example, mobility and anonymity. Did you, did you know about this? You know, people are so mobile today, and they can move from one place without being without being known, or they are anonymous. Well, what's the significance of that? Oh, I can easily, students, for example, you know, you grow up in a Christian environment, then you go to college, 
you go to the Ivy League, you go to the East Coast, just take one plane, disappear for about six months, nobody knows you, and guess what? You can do anything you like, right? Because nobody knows you. And that is an example of what? The influence of evil on people who are well-meaning. And if you're not careful, patay. Okay? Women in the labor force. Not the, I don't have anything against this. This is a real economic condition and situation in the world today. But it has a consequence, right? You know, the, the number of women in the labor force keeps increasing. Before it was only 10%, now it's in the 70% or even higher, as far as I know. What does that result into? Well, you know, absent parents, right? People, the, the children are left on their own most of the time. And there is also what you call no-fault divorce. You can divorce anytime for any reason, right? And people will not question that. Really, honestly. Because this is what? The world's influence today. What else? If it feels good, do it. Living mentality. There's no longer any, I guess, the, the morality is so gray, no longer black and white. People justify it. Oh, don't throw me the Bible. It feels good. I'll do it. If it's good and it's blessing me, I think it's okay. I'll do it. People don't refer anymore to the standard. There's no absolute truth. The Bible is no longer being considered the absolute truth because the days are evil. Worldly concepts about marriage, family, relationships, and success. It has to be a biblical concept, not a worldly concept. If it's a worldly concept, then you know, marriage is just what? Convenience. You know, I'm getting married because I want to be happy. I'm getting married because I want her or I want him. And if, if she doesn't give me what I want, goodbye. If he doesn't want, give me what I want, goodbye. That's the worldly concept of marriage. That's not biblical. What about family? Oh, family, okay. Um, let's do the way other people do it. Relationships, oh, I scratch your back, you scratch mine. I mean, you know, it's all conditional. And believe me, it's a subtle hold of Satan because he controls his world to be able to, to, to control your mind and to control your behavior. That's what we mean by the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. You know, in addition to these external factors that affect us, there is an internal factor, okay, that contributes to our lostness and feeling eventually hopeless. You know what this is? Sin. External, the world is controlled by Satan, and Satan himself is trying to attack you and make you change your mind and influence you to go the opposite direction. At the same time, it is compounded and aggravated by the fact that inside us, Okay, inherently inside us is sin, right? If you don't know that, believe me, you need to know it this morning because you have to be aware of what we are up against. In Romans 3, 10 to 12, the Living Bible says, as the scriptures say, no one is good, no one in all the world is innocent. No one has ever really followed God's path or even truly wanted to. Everyone has turned away, all have gone wrong. Look at this. No one anywhere has kept on doing what is right. Not 
one. What does that tell you? Inherently, we will always do wrong. I mean, you might, you might be struggling and say, I'm Diakoyana. Uh, excuse me. Uh, I, I'm a Christian and I'm, I, I don't think that's referring to me. I have a classmate who's very intelligent. Philippine science guy, okay? One of the highest IQ I know when we were, I was in college. And I, I, I showed him a verse in the Bible which says exactly Romans 3.10. No one is good. No one in all the world is innocent. Everyone is a sinner. He said, excuse me, I'm not. You know, people believe that in all honesty because they know that they have not violated anyone's right. They're doing what they're doing. They're studying well. They're scholars. They're doing very well, period. Right? I mean, you know, to, up to this day, he believes that every time I see him. And, you know, how, how deceived can he be? He doesn't know. But the Bible is telling us that none is righteous, not even one. Romans 3.23, you know this. You heard this when the gospel was shared to you guys. And I'm just trying to remind you that this is something so basic, so basic you have to be reminded. Otherwise, you will continue to live in despair and not even have hope. The Bible says, yes, all have sinned, all fall short of God's glorious ideal. And I like this very much, Jeremiah 13, 23, the Living Bible. Can the Ethiopian change the color of his skin? Or the leopard take away his spots? What's the answer? It's a rhetorical question, right? The answer is obviously no, right? It's like, can I make myself pangit because I'm naturally handsome? okay? Pwede, okay? Ganon din kayo sa kasalanan nyo, okay? Nor can you who are used to doing evil now start being good. What's the point? We're sinners. We're sinners through and through. And no matter what you do, you will always fall back to who you are, a sinner. Isaiah 53 verse 6 says, We, every one of us, have strayed away like sheep. We who left God's path to follow our own. That's who we are. You know, we, we may not be always doing it, but you know, a lot of the times we stray. And when we stray, we justify it as, eh, kasi kailangan eh. You know, and already, you've, you've already actually fell into your default system of being a sinner. And that's why there's a lot of hopelessness and a lot of despair. Why? Because we are fallen sinners, period. And until you understand that, until you understand that, you will never be able to press the hope button. And I'm here this morning because I want to tell you that you have a green button. Instead of just staying in that red button of despair and hopelessness, I want to share with you that we have hope. And that hope is available to us. And all we have to know, all we have to do is to know who we are and what we're up against, and it will soon influence us. This morning, like I said, I'm going to talk about the hope or the ancient Christ, the hope, not despair. And I'm going to zero in on this, this word called sin because it's something that is so crippling in our lives that we have to address it, unpack it, so to speak, so that we know exactly 
how we can address it. Until you understand. Until you understand the sinfulness of sin. Grabe, no? The sinfulness of sin. The curse it puts on man. The gospel of Christ will have no meaning to you and me. Until you understand that there is a problem, you will not look for a solution, right? Until you accept that this is a problem indeed and we have to fix it, we will not resort into the solution. Until you understand the sinfulness of sin and the curse it puts on you and on me, we will never appreciate the gospel of Christ. Sin. What has sin done? Honestly, it has devastated every relationship. Sin has destroyed every relationship. Between man and God, separated. Between man and man, away. Yes or no? Leave them by themselves. Okay? Leave them by themselves. Sooner or later, they'll fight. Why? Because I want mine, I want mine, I want mine, I want mine. You know, Pastor Peter described marriage, okay, okay, as, as, tatawag ito, as, as, pastor marriage, pastor marriage. Pastor Insong, ano nga yun? Diniscribe niya na dalawang, dalawang, dalawang kuto na walang aso. Okay? Na nag-aaway sila. Pareho silang kuto. Okay? Right? Two licks. Okay? Sorry, ticks. Licks. Sorry, I'm English, ha? Because, you know, sin is so evil, it destroys the relationship. Man and nature. Man is only thinking about himself. Kahit na makakasira sa mundo, gagawin pa rin niya. Right? What else? It has generated cosmic chaos in the heavens between angels and demons. Did you know that the angels were very united in the past? And because of sin, they were divided and it created a chaos? Right? What else? It, it, sin is waiting to attack on every baby born into the world beginning at conception. That's biblical. You know, when the baby is conceived, there goes sin. You know, hindi pa nga pinapanganak, nandun na yung sin sa bata. Okay? Because that's the nature. That's the nature of fallen man. Right? It rules every human heart and intends to, to damn every soul to eternal hell. And we're facing that reality today. Right at this moment, we are facing the reality and the power of sin. Sin has turned beauty into ugly deformity. Worst of all, this is worst of all. The sinner, the sinner is more eager to excuse sin than to admit it. He is more concerned to cover sin than to cure it. In fact, a lot of us enjoy sin, don't we? You know, sin, by the way, is enjoyable. They call it a sugar-coated poison. You know, it's so sweet on the outside, but it will sting you, okay, the moment it gets you. That's sin. And I'd like to use this uh, slide that we use um, in the retreats on encounter. And it, it's, it's a picture of, of how man really distorts sin. Man calls it an accident. God calls it abomination. Man calls it blunder. God calls it blindness. Man calls it defect. God calls it disease. Man calls it chance. God calls it 
choice. What do you mean chance? You choose that. You chose it. Right? Man calls it luxury. God calls it leprosy. Man calls it liberty. God calls it lawlessness. Man calls it mistake. God calls it madness. Alright? And then man calls it weakness. God calls it sin. You know, it, guys, it's time to call sin a sin. Until we see how, how deadly okay, sin is, we will never be able to experience what God has for us. We will never be able to appreciate Jesus Christ and what he has done. Sin is like cancer. Cancer will kill you. It is a traitor. You don't know it's there. It's just going to get you. It's going to hit you. It's going to pull you down. And you better be aware of what it really is. It will slowly kill you, condemn you, damn you, if you don't deal with it. Sin. So this morning, we're going to talk about what it is. I, I want to spend some time with it. It's not a good topic. I don't like it, but it's good for you to know what, 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 what it is really called. When you say sin, what do you mean by sin? And then what does it do? What does it do to you and to me as the sinner? First, what is sin? 1 John 3, 4. And you tell me what sin is based on this biblical reference. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. Sin is what? Lawlessness. In the version in uh, the NLT, the New Living Translation, everyone who sins is breaking God's law for all sin is contrary to the law of God. See that? And then in the Living Bible, same verse, but those who keep on sinning are against God, for every sin is done against the will of God. So what is sin? Sin is breaking God's laws. God has laws. And sin is simply put, going against God's will, practicing lawlessness, chaos, disobedience, and completely okay, ignoring the divine moral laws of God. It is living as if there is no God. Right? I am my boss. I don't care what God says. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. That is the definition of sin. Disobedience, violation, ignorance, disregard of God's law. That is sin. That is the definition of sin. Now I'd like to concentrate on what does it do to you and me? Oh, it's natural for us to violate the law, to violate God, because we are naturally sinners. But this is what I would like to concentrate this morning on. What does it do to you? If you are aware of what sin will do to you, believe me, I'd say, oh, oh wait a minute, I, I didn't know that. And now that you know it, I pray that you're going to do something about it. What does it do to the sinner? Number one, it defiles you. It pollutes you. It degrades you. It's dirty. You don't know it. Okay, but it defiles you, it pollutes you, it degrades you. Look at Isaiah 64 verse 6. All of us have become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous deeds are like filthy garments. You know, in fact, the way, the way, the way this is described in the original is like, ano yon? Um, menstrual, menstrual rags. Okay? Nung araw, wala pang sanitary napkins, okay? Meron lang ginagamit na rugs that they use for mens menstruation, okay? And they're saying 
that our acts of goodness can be compared to menstrual, menstrual rugs. It's dirty. It's defiled. That's how sin is described. And I want you to picture it. If that is sin, it's so dirty, it will defile you, it will pollute you, it will degrade you. Zechariah 3.4, okay? God is speaking to uh, Joshua, actually the high priest. And he was telling the angels to say this to Joshua. He said, remove the filthy garments, dirty garments from him, meaning Joshua the high priest. And again he said to him, see, I have taken your iniquity away from you and will clothe you with festal clothes. You know, the picture of sin is like a dirty garment. It's so filthy, it's so dirty, God wants it to, to be removed from you. And so it is, when it is removed from you, it is described as a filthy garment that you have taken off. Because it's so filthy, it pollutes you and degrades you. What does it do to the sinner? Okay. <clears throat> Ezekiel 20, verse 43. I'm sorry, it's too small. Concentrate on the big one, verse 43. There you will remember your conduct and your actions by which you have defiled yourselves. You will loat yourselves for all the evil that you have done. You know, here Ezekiel is describing that because of what sin will do to you, it will defile you, it will pollute you, it is so ugly and it's so bad, you will begin to loat yourself. Ugh, you know, when you start seeing how ugly sin is, you will begin to hate yourself even. You, you may not be aware of this because you're probably not there yet at that point. But God is telling you that that's what will happen to sinners eventually when they get to the lowest of the lowest because they will begin to loathe themselves. What does it do to the sinner? It makes the sinner very rebellious. So number one, it pollutes you, it defiles you, it makes you so dirty. Number one, it will make you ever more rebellious, very rebellious. Psalm 12, 4. When our tongues, with our tongues we prevail, our lips are our own to command at our will who is the Lord and master over us. Excuse me? Nobody can tell us what to do. That's sin. We are rebellious. Jeremiah 20, 22 verse 31. Oh, my people, listen to the words of God. Have I been unjust to Israel? God said. Have I been to them a land of darkness and of evil? Why then do my people say, at last, we are free from God. We won't have anything to do with him again. You know? Can you imagine the Israelites, after all that God has done for them? What did they do? They're rebelling against God. That, to me, is what sin does to the sinner. What else? Sin will make you incurably disobedient. You know, I, I want you to know this, because this will make you understand, ah, kaya pala ganito ako. Even though I try so hard to do what I want, remember the message of, of uh, Adrian? You know, sin will make you do what you don't want and want what, you know, uh, do what you don't, what's that? Okay. You, you do what you hate. Uh, you do what you hate to do. You na? Okay, yun. Okay. The exact opposite, you know, because it, you are incurably disobedient. Jeremiah 12, sorry, 13 to 23, the Living Bible. The same thing as I told you this morning. The, can the Ethiopian change the skin? No. Can you be better? No, because you are incurably disobedient because sin is incurable. 
You know, somebody said this, John Flabble, the Puritan. I like this. He says, because it dispictures how incurable sin is. All the tears of a penitent sinner, should he shed as many as there have uh, fallen drops of rain since creation, cannot wash away one's sin. All your sorrow, all your self-effort is useless. The everlasting burnings of hell cannot purify the flaming conscience from the least sin. Isn't that the picture of hopelessness, guys? You know, you, you, you cannot wash away sin, okay, if you have to do it on your own. Kahit na lahat ng rain gamitin mo, you will not be clean. You know, guys, that's why hell is forever. That's why hell is forever. It is where man pays his unpayable debt represented by an incurable sin. You, you ever wonder why, you know, hell is forever? Because your sin cannot be cured. You have to be punished forever. And I want you to picture that. And that sin is lying in wait to just get you because we are fallen sinners by nature. It pollutes you. It makes you rebellious. And it makes, it is incurable. And, you know, hell is forever. And then finally, of course, it condemns you to hell. That's your spiritual destiny. Romans 6.23, you know this, for the wages of sin is death. This is not physical death, but spiritual death, eternal separation from God. And why does this happen? Because of sin. God hates sin. God is holy. He condemns it. And his, his penalty is what? Sending you to hell. John 8, 23 to 24. Then he said to them, You are from below. I am from above. That is why I said that you will die in your sins. And here he is talking about eternal death, condemnation to hell. The same thing, Ezekiel 33, 18. If a righteous person turns from their righteousness and does evil, they will die for it. Guys, God will not allow sin. God will punish sin. Sin is sin. It is incurable and it will condemn you to hell. The more you know about this and what it does to you, the more it will make you come to grips with the fact that you are hopeless, desperate. And the more you know the problem, the more you will appreciate the gospel. Summary, what does, a sinner, what, what does it do to the sinner? Defiles, pollutes, degrades. It makes a sinner rebellious, makes sinner incurably disobedient, condemns and damns a sinner into eternity hell, separation from God. You know, you think with all of these things, you and I will avoid sin. You know, I think if you're sitting down here, if sin is like that, oh man, I'll try to avoid it. Trust me, you won't. Because the Bible says in Jeremiah 9.5, with practiced tongues, they fool and defraud each other. They wear themselves out with their sinning. You know, people, people know sin, but it has accepted sin and has become a way of life. You know, people are going to enjoy sin, look for sin, and do sin because sin is really a traitor. It will kill you without you knowing it. It's a cancer, and sooner or later it will kill you. But yet, you're still going to look for it and enjoy it because that's the curse. The brutal summary is this. Sin has laid on every human being a curse with brutal implications. For present day and eternity future. 
What's the present day curse? Sin will bring pain, suffering, sorrow, and trouble to every man. Make no mistake about that. For the present day life. Today, as you speak, as you're seated down, and you are not dealing with sin properly as it should, you are going to invite pain, suffering, sorrow, and trouble into your life, whether you like it or not. Eternity future. Eternal judgment and punishment in hell for the cursed sinner. Whether you like it or not, we will die. And if we die and we are still in our sins, this is going to be the consequence. Eternity hell. Cast in hell forever. Isaiah 48, verse 22. There is no peace for the wicked. I hope it will give you a glimpse of what you sometimes experience if you remain in your sin. How come I have no peace? How come, how come, how come I feel this way? And then you know people who are uh, guilty of sin, the next thing you know they just disappear, and the next thing you know something really bad happened to them. You know why? Because God said there is no peace for the wicked. If you're looking for peace, believe me, you won't be able to find it unless you understand how to deal with sin. Sin is lostness. Sin is disobedience. Sin leads to hopelessness. And like I said, do you think man will avoid sin at every chance? You hope you would, but unfortunately, they don't. With practiced tongues, they fool and defraud each other. They wear themselves out with all their sinning. Psalm 7:14. See, the one who is pregnant with wickedness, who conceives destructive plans, gives birth to harmful lies. You know, it's, it's, like, it's like it's so natural for us to do it, we keep doing it. You know, it's not natural for us to avoid it because we want to avoid it. No, we want to avoid it, but we still keep doing it. It's a curse, in other words. For they cannot sleep unless they cause harm. Look at this. Proverbs 4.16. They are robbed of sleep until they make someone stumble. <laughs> you know, that's evil by nature. You know, it may not be referring to you at this point in your Christian life. Or you, you may have progressed significantly from where you were before to where you are now because you have grown in Christ-likeness. Great. But I'm telling you, there's still part of yourself, okay, that, that, that you probably have not dealt with that keeps coming up and you are described just like this person. You cannot even sleep until you do it or something like that. And that's the nature of sin. That's the reason why God gave man the law. You know, if, if man is so sinful, he is defiled, he is incurably disobedient, he is condemned. What, what? And he keeps doing it in spite of the fact that he knows it. What can God do? You know what God did? He gave the law. He gave the law to Moses. You know? He gave the law to be able to make us see our condition. Without the law, we will never see that we are violating anything. Right, Mike? With the law, God said, this is the law. You obey it. For what purpose? You know, of course, we cannot obey the law. We know that. It's so impossible for us to obey every one of those laws. But the purpose of God giving the law, I discovered, was for you and me to see how sinful and how cursed we are. Because we can't obey it. Look at Romans 3.20. For the more we know of God's law, the clearer it becomes we aren't obeying them. 
His laws serve only to make us see that we are what? Sinners. You know, if God didn't give the law, we will never have any idea of how bad we are. And you know, God in His brilliance, this is what I love about God. God is so brilliant, He knows what happened to us because of our fallen nature. He had to develop a plan for us to be able to understand and say, aha, yung pala. You know, He gave the law. And many of us are complaining, ang hirap-hirap naman ng law mo, God. Nobody can obey it and follow it. Precisely. God gave it to us for you and I to see that we are hopeless. We're cursed. Who can obey these laws? No one. No one. The fact, the more you obey the law, the more you will see that you're cursed. And that's exactly what God wants you to see. I am hopeless, I'm desperate, and I'm lost. And when you do that, believe me, you're in the right direction. Because that's when you will understand the gospel, and that's when you will appreciate what God has done for you. Romans 5.20, the law came in so that transgression would increase. Oh, can you imagine that? The law came in so that people will know that you are a sinner, big time. And you cannot even obey one continuously. But where sin, is, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. That's the principle that God wants us to see. That's why in the passage we read, Galatians 10 to 13, the solution kicks in. We're sinners. It's a violation of God's command. It corrupts us. It defiles us. It kills us. It makes us rebellious. It makes us condemned. We are hopeless in it. And you know what God did? He gave us the law. Because the law will tell you, you need help. Because you're cursed. And in comes Galatians 3, 10 to 13. But people who depend on following the law to make them right are under a curse. As the scriptures say, they must do everything that is written in the law. If they do not always obey, they are under a curse. Aray. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by the law. Very obvious. The law says we're under a curse for not always obeying it. Wow, curse. But Christ took away that curse. I like that. But Christ took away that curse. How? He changed places with us and put himself under that curse. Scriptures say, anyone who is hung on a tree is under a curse. Do you see now why Christ had to suffer, had to die on the cross and be crucified just so you and I can eliminate the curse that is upon us? Until you see how hopeless you are, until you see how lost you are, until you see that you cannot do anything about your condition, you will not appreciate what this man did. He died on the cross and be the curse for us. Guys, again, sin. Until you understand the sinfulness of sin and the curse that it has upon you and me, the gospel of Christ will have no meaning and value to you. Christ became the curse. And you know not, not only that, he died on the cross, but he didn't stop there. He resurrected. Okay? Showing us what? He has overcome sin and in fact can give you life. Hopelessness, sin, he overcome. He gave you life. Hope. From des desperation or despair to hope. That's what Christ has given us. Romans 5, 8 to 11. God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, I never, I never understood this. 
it's you know I I used to say yeah kasi kasi oh nga sinners pa nga ako Christ died for me but the, the real the real truth is while we were yet sinners you will always be sinners right uh, this this kind of implied that oh will there come a time that I will not be a sinner yes probably in the power of Christ and through his blood but without Christ you will always be a sinner and you know what God said God demonstrated his love for us that while you and I are cursed under sin God Christ died for us much more than having now been justified by his blood we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him for if we were his enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son much more having been reconciled we shall be saved by his life this is sin we know what it is we know what it does to us and you know what Christ did first John 1 7 the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin the blood just what wipes that sin white he eliminates the ugliness of sin how it defiles you how it corrupts you how it condemns you and he replaces it with simply a white cloud of purity again I'll show that to you the blood of Christ cleanses you from all sin only by the blood of Christ and that's the reason why we have hope rather than despair today we remember what Jesus has done for us we will celebrate the Lord's table and I'd like to ask the men to distribute the elements this is the appropriate time for us to remember that Jesus did something wonderful for us and I don't like to really just do this for the sake of doing it in fact I want you to do it with this message in mind I want you to see how sinful we are before we met Christ and I want you to see how clean you are today because of Christ and I want you to see that he wants us to remember what he has done as often as we can so that we will never take our salvation for granted so that we will always do it please uh, the guys please distribute the elements already if you will go ahead and distribute as I explained the passage that we always use to talk about the Lord's table we used to be in despair but now we have hope because of what Christ has done and I would like us to remember and do what he commands first Corinthians eleven twenty three. for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus Christ in the night in which he was betrayed took bread and we had when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me in the same way he took the cup also after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes you know it's so amazing God wants us to see the significance of his death 
God wants us to see the significance of His blood. Was the blood of Jesus significant? Believe me, without His blood, we will remain in our sins. We will remain cursed. And because of His blood, the curse was removed. Jesus Christ took the curse and became sin on our behalf. And that's why this morning, He would like us to celebrate and remember what He has done, what He has done on the cross. And there's a warning. The warning is very simple. God doesn't want you to take sin for granted. You know, God wants you to see how serious sin is. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't want you to take sin lightly. He wants you to address it. If you are in sin, if you are dabbling in sin right now, and you don't want to address it, you're actually insulting Christ and his blood. And in verse 27, it says, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, he shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. What does that mean? You know, after you hear the message that we are fallen sinner, period, and that sin curses you and sin destroys you, and you are desperate in your sin, and Christ took that away, by offering his life and his blood so that the curse will be lifted up. Who are we to take that for granted now? Who are we to play with that and dabble with it and say, you know, if God has forgiven me, it's okay, I will do it again. God has forgiven me anyway. You know, God is saying, no, that's not the attitude. The attitude should be repent. Turn away from your sin. And with God and the blood of Christ, as the power over that sin, I pray that you will appropriate that to yourself and say, Lord, I, 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 don't, want, I don't want to be in this sin anymore. This morning, I see how it pollutes me. I see how it's a rebellion against you. And I see that if I remain on it, I can be condemned. For all I know, for all you know, you may not be right with God at this point. And that, God, that what God is saying to you is, if you are playing with sin and keep committing sin over and over again, you're not repenting. And you may, be, you may be eating the bread or drinking the cup in an unworthy manner. And you should be guilty of the blood and the body of Christ. Please don't do that. This morning I pray that you will repent, know what sin is and what it does to you. Remove the curse and put on the solution which is the blood of Christ. If you're here right now and you have not even accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, I, I ask you to do so right now. Bow your heads and say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. Now I know how ugly sin is. Now I know that I cannot overcome it on my own power because it's just, it's just written all over me. I'm wired to sin, Lord, and I don't want that. And I want the gospel of your son, Jesus Christ whose blood will clean me of all of my sins. I, I accept him right now as my Lord and Savior. Lord, come into my life. I believe you're the only one who can remove all of my sin. And I receive you by faith in my heart. Forgive me for all of my sin, Lord. I repent of it. 
clean me and remove the curse of sin in my life. Amen. If you pray that sin, you will be now worthy, worthy to celebrate the bread and the juice for this morning. But a man must examine himself. And in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. This will no longer apply to us because the blood of Christ has cleansed us. This morning, I'd like to ask uh, my brother Butch and my brother Nat to come up and for brother Butch to pray for the bread and then we will partake and then our brother Nat will pray for the juice and then we will partake. Let's bow our head. Oh God, you are merciful. We know that we are sinners. We know that we cannot overcome sin. But because of your goodness, you have sent your son, Jesus Christ, in place of our sin. And for his broken body, that we would have life. We are so desperate, O oh Lord, and the heaviness in our heart. But because of your goodness, Christ died for our sin. We have hope in him. Lord, as we remember the death of Christ, we remember his body, body that was broken for our sin. <clears throat> for I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he, when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake. Let's partake. As we hold the juice, we are reminded of our of our sins. We are reminded that your blood was poured out for us, establishing the new covenant in your blood. For without the shedding of the blood, there is no forgiveness. It is only your blood that was shed for us will cleanse us will give us forgiveness and gives us hope and promise of eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Let's partake of the juice. Having remembered what the Lord has done, I know you probably have a light feeling right now that God has removed the curse and given us his grace and mercy to be able to walk in the truth and in life. I'd like to end with this statement from Tim Keller that was shown by our brother Adrian last week. Because it's so powerful. And, and, and this is where I'd like to hang my thesis that you can enjoy your Christ-likeness. 
Tim Keller said, to the degree that you see Jesus on the cross, losing absolutely everything for you, he will become a beauty to you. He will become so beautiful in your eyes that you'll be able to change these things that control you now. They, lose, they will lose their power. Do you know how to work on your heart like that? And he says, it's only by rejoicing in and resting in what Jesus Christ has done for you. I'd like to underline to change these things that control you now. Tim Keller said, he will become, Jesus will become so beautiful in your eyes, but whether you like it or not, you'll be able to change these things that control you now. You know what these things are? Your sin. All you have to do is to look at Jesus on the cross and you will be able to change the sin that control you. This sin will vanish. This sin will disappear. You will sin less and less. And he asks you a question. Do you know how to work this in your heart? He said, very simple, it's only by rejoicing and resting in what Jesus Christ has done for you. And you know what? I submit to you that is enjoying your salvation, enjoying the liberty that you have in Christ, but you don't stop there, enjoying the transformation into Christ-likeness. And I would like to remind you what Christ-likeness is. I will sound like a broken record, and in fact, I want CCF to memorize this. Philippians 2, verse 3 to 8. Memorize it, because this is Christ-likeness. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. That to me is selflessness, and that to me is being humble. If you don't like that, look at what Christ did. Have this attitude in yourselves which is also in Christ Jesus, who although existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Guys, for you to enjoy and rejoice in what Jesus Christ has done, you have to do your part. You have to grow in Christ-likeness, and Christ-likeness means selflessness, Humility, and I call that selfless humility to the point of death. If you and I will continue to work on this in our day-to-day -day living, believe me, you will sin less and less. You know why? Because the opposite of selflessness and humility is selfishness and pride. And selfishness and pride are at the very root of any sin you can think of. Think of what you're going through right now, which is sinful. Think of what other people are doing which are sinful. You know what? They're all related to pride and selfishness. If you do the opposite of that and be selfless and humble, guess what? You will sin less and less. And sooner or later, you will overcome sin which cursed you, which controlled you, which destroys you. What do you have instead? You have instead hope and not despair.
Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for making us see how sinful we are. Lord, we don't want to take that for granted. We want to hate sin like you hate sin. Sin renders us lost. Sin destroys our joy. But thank you, Lord Jesus, that you died on the cross and removed the curse, for that curse is gone. And we now have hope. But Lord, you tell us not to stop. You tell us to continue. While we have been washed away clean, the nature is still there and it will keep exposing its ugly head. And our prayer, Lord, is that this body of believers will commit to obeying you, to doing what we need to do by being Christ-like. And that is, Lord, as you have ex exemplified, as you have lived in your own life, to be selfless and humble to the point of death. And because of that, Lord, we will sin less and less. And when we sin less and less, we will obey more and more. And if we obey more and more, we will love you with all of our heart, soul, and mind. And we know that you will cause all things to work together for good because that is a mark of your loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.